Hello, everybody. Josh Neighbors here, Locked On Nationals podcast. Today's show airing on Friday, uh, December 10th, 2021. Joining me, it is Matt Weirich from NBC Sports Washington. We're going to get to a whole bunch of things after this. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, once again, Josh Neighbors here with Matt Weirich of NBC Sports Washington. Matt, I have to start off by saying congratulations. Uh, your James Madison Dukes beat the UVA Cavaliers for the first time. I didn't watch the game. It appeared it was a real UVA-type game, real low-scoring slugfest. But your Dukes got – I mean, was that one of the biggest wins in program history for them uh, in, in terms of basketball? It's it's definitely up there for the past 30 years. Uh, they were pretty good back in the 70s, made a few NCAA tournament appearances. But ever since then, it really hasn't been much for the Dukes. But uh, up until this point, Jamie was 0-11 against UVA. So getting that win uh, is certainly big for the program. I mean, they were only four and a half point dogs. So, you know, it wasn't necessarily a huge upset given the, the where UVA is right now. And also, where JMU is, you know, the, the Dukes are kind of on the rise uh, the last two seasons. So uh, with JMU moving over to the Sun Belt in 2023, the basketball program might actually be able to save face a little bit and compete uh, when it looked like just a couple of years ago, you know, there was no hope for them. And that's a great conference, too. I mean, I know out of all the realignment, I do the Big 12 stuff. But, you know, it's it's going to be the fun belt. Like, there's a lot of a – lot of, I mean, that's, that's perfect, too, because – we talked about for so long they've been trying to make their way to, to Division One, so it seems like a, a great situation. And right now it's great to talk about other sports because guess what? Baseball doesn't have a whole lot going on. That being said, um, want to talk about something you wrote because unless you've got some breaking news about the lockout ending that you want to share with the listening audience, do you have anything? Unfortunately, for us? not. Um, we'll, we'll, let's quickly hit on this before I get get to your, your most recently written. Um, how do you feel about it? You know, how, where's this going? I, I checked today the pitchers and catchers reporting date. So it's 66 days away, I believe it is. And what I was saying is, okay, we're lockout day nine. Pitchers and catchers reporting is here. Like, let's just – we don't want the pendulum to swing, right? That is that is the big thing we want. And uh, once again, my confidence level and them getting a deal done, generally speaking, is low. But like two months. Can we get it together in two months so we're not sweating this thing out at the deadline? Because to me, it, it's it's bad if these if these people – Creatures of habit, baseball players are not on their normal routines. We need them back on their normal routines. We can't do two out of the last three seasons not being normal. That's really bad, I think, for player health. Definitely. And I think definitely applies to the pitchers more than anyone, just yes. getting them back into a throwing routine, getting them, you know, visited by doctors. Uh, you know, it's kind of muddied waters right now in terms of how teams are providing uh medical services to these players mm. that are in the middle of injury rehabs right now. So uh, you know, this is a definitely an important factor for for a lot of those guys. But, uh, you know, my confidence level, you know, we're, we're not hearing anything right now. I wasn't really expecting to hear anything right now. Uh, but I'd still think that a deal gets done without delaying any games. Uh, you know, there is definitely a chasm uh, to close here in, in a variety of fronts. Uh, and we are not, by no means close to having that done. Uh, but I do think that, you know, as the pressure mounts and the season gets closer, you know, there are both sides are going to be a little bit more lenient uh, to bend on a few things. And, and ultimately, we, we get a deal done. Uh, 
All right, let's get into something that you wrote recently. Let's let's leave all that sadness and and you know things that we don't like to talk about behind. Uh, you had a really interesting piece about Josiah Gray wanting to get to 200 innings. Um, that's you know that's one of those goals that you set and you love the idea of it. How do you feel about the realism of that happening? Because that's I mean that is and you know we love Max Scherzer. I don't think Max got to 200 last year. Uh, I don't believe he got. To no, that point last only season. four pitchers did last yeah. season. And that that's I mean, that is I love once again, love setting goals, right? Uh there, I mean, <laughs> once again, love setting goals. There's no way he gets there. You look at the way the Nationals used him last year, and it's his second season. He is such an important part of their future, right? I mean, it's such an important part. They're gonna look after him a little bit. They're uh, that, that's they're, they're gonna take care of him. He's he's a baby, I guess you could say, at this point in time. How, you know. How do you feel? How how does peace come together? And then just kind of talk about that that goal that he's setting. Yeah, yeah. Have to to credit my buddies over at Half Street High Heat, uh, landing the interview uh, with Gray, uh, and and he talked about in that interview uh, about how this is a quote ambitious goal uh, to start off the bat, which I, I think he recognizes uh, this being something that you know is brought, not going to be expected of him uh, coming into this year, but. Just to look at the facts here, Josiah Gray is going to be 24 years old next season. He actually turns 24 uh, on December 21st, so only a couple of years or days away from his birthday. Uh, but he is coming off a season in which he missed significant time with a right shoulder impingement, only ended up pitching just under 90 innings uh, this season. Last season, uh, he didn't pitch in any games because there were no games. Uh, mm-hmm. He was at the Dodgers alternate site, was in their player pool. Uh, evidently getting work down there, but obviously no official log as to how many innings he put together in 2020. Now in 2019 and 2018, he did pitch between you know various levels of the minor leagues uh, in rookie ball NCAA about 130 to 140 innings each of those two years. So that workload right there does suggest that he can ramp up to you know 150 plus 160, mm-hmm. 170 this year. Uh, but you know I think Max Scherzer's career is a good illustration uh, of how pitchers are typically uh, integrated into the major leagues. Uh, You know, he starts off uh, with just over a hundred innings and then kind of adds progressively, you know, 25 or so each year working his way up to 200. Not only would it be a significant jump for Gray to jump from, you know, 145 to 200, but really the jump is from 90 to 200. You know, I mentioned earlier, only four pitchers hit 200 innings last year. You know, that's really down from what we were seeing prior to the pandemic. The four seasons before 2020, we averaged just under 15 pitchers a year uh, hitting 200 innings. So I, I think we're going to get close to that number. I think four is a bit of an anomaly because we had such a shortened season in 2020 and pitchers had a decreased workload. They tried to come back this this past year and either, you know, they were hit by injuries or teams tried to limit them uh, in the number of innings they were going so that they were fresh for the playoffs. So uh, you know, I think that 200 is an attainable mark for more pitchers than maybe last year's stat might suggest. Uh, but it is definitely a lofty goal uh, for Gray, considering his age, considering you know his lack of innings at the major league level, and also you know he had a five plus ERA last year. We we did right. see a lot of good signs from him. Uh, but if he has five five plus ERA, 20 starts into the season, you know the Nationals might be thinking about setting him back down. So uh, you know we have to see improvement from him as well. Do I believe that can happen? Absolutely. Uh, I'm a big believer in Josiah Gray and what he brings to the table. And I think that, you know, setting lofty goals is, is you know, half the battle in terms of achieving them. Uh, but, you know, it's just going to have to, it, it's lofty, certainly. Right. And we're going to have to really see him 
uh, put together a very surprising season for him to reach that status. Yeah, and there's, you know, I'm just thinking about all this right now. There's so many factors that go into this. Number one, think about across baseball, everybody's talking about the reliever usage going up. The Nationals used a lot of relievers last year. It was not necessarily because they wanted to, right? There was a lot of those. I mean, you know, not just relievers generally. They'd use relievers as starters many occasions, you know, picking up a lot of guys. We didn't think Fetty wasn't supposed to be in the rotation to, to start the year. You know, a few guys uh, were just like that. Paulo Espino, obviously. And you think about the Nationals, too, next season, you know, how competitive they want to be. I think you want to get Josiah Gray to a point where you're, uh, you know, you're like, okay, we've ramped you up to, you know, this this is what you can give us in the future. And, you know, 150 innings, that's awesome. We can build on that moving forward. Like, do you want to use 200 innings on a guy when your team might not be too competitive. I'm just thinking here from the team perspective, but I think, yeah, I mean, him setting that goal, you know, for next season, I think the team's going to make sure he doesn't hit that. Uh, the Nationals, now, anything above 150 is pretty good because they desperately need the pitching. But just there's so many factors for the Nationals team side, right, when you take away the individual thought process for him that make this really interesting because that's starting pitching um, which hurt the relief pitching at points, but starting pitching is going to be such a curious case study this offseason. Yeah, you know, the, the Nationals are entering basically year one of this rebuild, retool, whatever you want to call it, uh, and more importantly, year one of, or I guess year two technically, of Josiah Gray's contract, you know, where he's going to be in the nation's capital, hopefully for a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, you don't want to put 150, 200 innings on him uh, for him to then have injury trouble down the line. So it's going to be a difficult balance. And like I mentioned, he had that shoulder issue last year. So you got to make sure that he's completely, you know, healed from that and, and moved on from that. So uh, there's, there's a lot of factors that go into it, but I don't necessarily expect him to hit 200. But like I said, I do think that, uh, you know, for him to be striving to hit that number uh, is at least, you know, a good sign. It's some, you know, he wants to be a workhorse. We're kind of right. entering an yes. age where a lot of pitchers would maybe prefer to be pulled before facing the order a third time, or maybe not want to have to put tax, you know, that much uh, mileage on their arm. Greg clearly wants to be a workhorse. He wants to be a guy who can anchor the rotation, give them innings, uh, and, and be somebody who can, you know, really pick his team up and give him the chance to win every time out. And that's exactly what you want to see from a young pitcher. I completely agree. All right, quick word from our sponsors here, and we'll get to a couple other uh, nuggets. I want to run some things by you in terms of free agency targets. Today's show is brought to you by our friends at betonline.ag. Best place to get in on all the action this weekend. we got a Formula One championship being decided this weekend. Got a lot of great college basketball. You can bet on my Missouri Tigers against the Kansas Jayhawks. Another rivalry, Matt, that I hope goes. There you go. Uh, yeah, hope goes the, the Missouri's way. Uh, you can find all that at betonline.ag. Use the promo code Locked On L O C K E D O N Locked On to receive a fifty percent deposit bonus today at Bet Online. Also, Stance, our friends at Stance, make really comfortable, athletic, athleisure clothing you can find right now. It's holiday gift giving times. So they got socks, shirts, joggers, hoodies. Buy for yourself. Buy for somebody else. Uh, right now, you can go to stance.com and make an account. Use the promo code LOCK15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, LOCK15, and you'll get 15% off right now. They've got cool themed clothing as well. they got stuff with Wu-Tang Clan, Batman, The Goonies, Star Wars, The Office, Harry Potter, Disney, Marvel, Bob Marley, MLB. So you want some national stuff from Stance? Go ahead and do that. NBA and Pixar as well. Once again, you can go to stance.com, promo code LOCKED15. All right, so I had an episode earlier today, Matt, and I was thinking about the infield is really fascinating. The outfield is too. 
but the infield is weirdly coming together, but not also coming together. So at first base, I think the situation is this Josh Bell predominantly, right? Zimmerman, we think he said he's, he's not made a decision, but he's acting like he is a pro athlete still was yes. kind of my read. Is that how you took that? That's kind of how yeah. I understood it. Yeah. From he's multiple not, interviews. Yeah. He's not eating 400 pounds of ice cream, right? That's, that's no, not he's how not. he's doing right now, <laughs> which good for him. Uh, and when he does also good for him, but the other thing is, if Ryan says no, I think would the idea be maybe Riley Adams, right? He was such a productive bat last year that maybe, hey, when he's not – K-Bear's the number one. That's that's the deal. He's number one. He's crown jewel that trade. That's where he is. Is that what you see becoming kind of the idea, or would they go and get somebody else to help with, with that position? Davey Martinez said at the end of the year that Riley is still going to be predominantly a catcher, but that he's going to start taking reps at first base uh, and in some in the outfield uh, to just kind of, I think it's because they know K-Bear is going to be the guy. Uh, so they want to give him an opportunity, a path to maybe other playing time uh, should, you know, catcher truly be blocked as we'll find out this season. Right. So, yeah. So obviously and, and that it all goes to say Josh Bell, right? Yes. He's a switch hitter. He actually hits both righties and lefties pretty well you know there's there's no disparagement there uh really and obviously it comes with being a switch hitter sometimes um second base this felt a little little 2019 uh as cabrera carter keyboom vibe here right luis garcia the vet cesar hernandez comes in there luckily garcia is only 21 um but he's played so much in the majors that you know you think it's Probably time, or would you say, hey, look, if, if you feel better with the vet, just send him back down AAA and let him get as many reps as possible. How do you think that, that balance plays out? Well, I think you got to rope in third base and shortstop when talking about second because okay. of how versatile a lot of these guys now are. You have mm -hmm. Keyboom who can play second and third. You, I mean, play. I mean, what what the positions that he slots in as. Right. Uh, Luis Garcia can play second and short. Uh, you have Alcides Escobar who can play second and short, and he has played some third before. And you have Cesar Hernandez who can basically play all over the infield. Uh, so I think that the Nationals are going to go into spring training with pretty much an open competition uh, where plan A would be for Luis Garcia and Carter Keboom to win spots out of spring training. Yes. Uh, and then you slide somebody in at shortstop. Or, you know, I, I think that the Nats aren't completely closing the door on Luis Garcia being in a major league shortstop. So if he impresses mm. there, I, I would not be surprised if they were to put him at shortstop uh, and then one of the two vets at second base, depending on who, you know, kind of comes through in, in spring training for him. But uh, I think a more realistic uh, expectation would be for Hernandez and Alcides Escobar to be in the opening day lineup in one of two of Garcia uh, and Carter Keboom to be, you know, in whatever position is available. Yeah, and I was thinking about today, like, do they get one more guy on the left side of left kind of left side of the infield-ish? Because Cesar Hernandez, it feels like to I mean, I guess he's known as second baseman, right? Like when I think about him, he's played so much of his career at second base, but yeah, plan A's gotta be for those guys to win spots, right? That's plan Definitely. A. The problem yeah. is we heard this we heard that in 2019, and I don't know if Carter necessarily won the spot, but in the in the or shortened COVID year, excuse me. Uh, which was 2020. I misspoke earlier. The, the shortened COVID year, we heard he was going to be the opening day guy at third. But I think, lo and behold, the opening guy, guy at third was Astrubo Cabrera, and they didn't really res resort back to Kibo until it was much later in the season, and he couldn't really get the reps that I thought needed to make a good judgment on him. So that's, I think, the worry sometimes when Nats fans see a couple vets. That being said, like, I don't know if it's a horrible idea for them to go and get a guy like a Jonathan VR. The three guys I mentioned were VR. Iglesias and Matt Duffy guys that could pull a Josh Harrison, right? Come in, be good vets, 
I think um, Hernandez like this too. And also kind of be trade assets, right? Like they can be trade assets and get you some value. And we've seen one-year guys get them, Josh Harrison being an example, Brad Hand being an example, uh, Kyle Shore being an example of being one-year guys that get that fetch them assets. So do you think that they're done kind of shopping on that side? Or do you think because of all that versatility you talked about, it's kind of it's kind of they've got their guys in that part of the the uh, yeah. lineup. I think with where their roster's at right now, I believe they're at 38 on the 40 man. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't just I just don't know if there's going to be enough room to add another infielder. You know, you already signed Alcides Escobar at the start of the offseason. You add Cesar Hernandez. That's already two veteran infielders uh, that you're kind of adding to the mix uh, for that those three positions there. So I, I think that with the uncertainty that they have in left field right now, the fact that they need innings in the rotation, and the fact that they could really use a veteran presence uh, along with Will Harris, because we don't really know who, what he's going to be, uh, at the back end of that bullpen, uh, I think that their interests probably lie elsewhere. Uh, but, you know, depending on how the offseason shakes out, depending on, you know, how they feel about some of these bullpen arms that are on the 40-man roster and whether or not they could part ways with one, of them, one or two of them, uh, you know, they definitely could. Uh, yes, they, they definitely could. If they <laughs> yeah. wanted to. Um, let's, let's touch on the outfield part of this that you, you just mentioned there. So it's, it's weird because they could go and get somebody, but like, there is an argument for all of these guys to have a spot, right? Like in some way, shape or form. I mean, one take taken care of it. You giving up on Victor Robles yet? Like, is that a, is that, you're not going to do it? I'm not giving up on I mean, him either. If I'm, I'm saying if I'm the nationals, there's no right. way I'm giving up on Victor Robles right now. And especially you know, how, how bad your team is going to be next year. Like there's no reason. What do you have to lose? There. You right. know? Yeah. But the, the thing is, is I, you know, what do you believe about Lane Thomas? How much of what you exactly. saw from him is for real? Is it for real enough for you to hand him left field next year and Robles center field and you roll with the two of them in your outfield? Or would you rather bring in a veteran uh, to play left field? And then you have the two of those guys compete for center. Uh, I think that's the most likely scenario. I do too. Uh, I think that you know Kyle Schwarber is a guy who makes sense for them and has been connected too. to them this offseason, uh, but also a guy like Eddie Rosario who who provides pretty cheap pop. I don't think that they're going to – if they don't get Schwarber, I really don't expect them to be spending big on mm-hmm. uh, any offensive – or actually any really free agents. Um, you know, Chris Bryant is a guy that I think makes sense for them, uh, but you know, you're looking at a lost season in, in 2022. Do you really want to pay for you know a six-, seven-year deal uh, for a guy who his best years right. are going to be the front end of that contract. I don't know. You know, you probably if you're going to do a long-term deal, you're going to wait until you know the, the roster that you have is ready. Uh, and then you kind of go all in to, to find that centerpiece player uh, to come in and change, uh, you know, your, your perception. So I don't think that any of those top ticket free agents that are left are, are really going to be ending up in DC, but I could see them going for a guy like, like Schwarber just because of the connection there. Uh, right. And because he'd, he'd probably be a pretty good bargain, you know, between 15 and 20 yes. million a year, you know, for a four year deal. He's only 28 years old. Uh, you right. know, that that makes and a lot D- of sense. And we think the DH is coming, right? We yes. think, and we think that, that, that helps. Coming. Yeah. And that helps, too. And we can get another another year in the outfield next year to kind of, you know, to kind of move that along. I'm with you. And I think just and I, I've been negative, not, not negative, but uh, a realist about next season. I don't think because the Nationals are most likely going to be bad next year, that does not mean they can't get guys that are part of a, a competitive team later on, right? You mentioned with Schwarber, it's, it makes a lot of sense for multiple reasons. Number one, Juan Soto has seen how well he has done and the entire lineup has done with him and Kyle Schwarber in it. If you were to pair that with maybe you know a couple more years for Josh Bell, that also shows, okay, this is, we're, we're starting to cook a little bit here. Oh, and we're going to see what the other guys give you. Also, you know, Schwarber, it's like, 
Sure. If you guys aren't ready in one year or two years, like you said, if you give them three and four, three and four years, all right, but in two years when you are ready to go, he's been there, you're used to him, that's when you start ready to go. So I think it's about finding the right contract. Six or seven years, you're, I feel like you're spot on with that because they're already they're, – they're uh, getting their asses handed to him right now with two of those. And look, the Strasburg one makes a lot of sense. I think we all understand why they did it. Patrick Corbin one – that one's hard to defend now. I feel like it was relatively hard to defend then. Was not a huge, not a huge fan of it then. But they did it because they knew they had a roster to win now. And they and they did win. And they, and they did. did win. So yeah. the, and I think with with all those things in play, three or four years does not hurt you too much. I think that I think it's a it's a it's a good especially for a twenty eight year old, right? Know? And, and, I was, and also, oh, go ahead, go ahead. And I, well, I was just to say, you know, in that same vein, you know, they they picked up Schwarber last year as a, uh, a non tendered guy. You know, Clint right. Frazier was on the market and signed with the Cubs for 1.5 million. I'm flabbergasted <laughs> right. that he only went for 1.5 million. You know, the Nationals, I think he would have made a lot of sense for them. He's only 27 years old. You know, and another guy that you can insert in there and, and you know has that All Star potential. And you know, flip him at the deadline if the, the team isn't good. But uh, to what to your point though, what you were saying about the, those long term deals. You know, the worst case scenario is these guys that the Nationals traded for and are building around, you know, not just the Josiah Grays and K-Bit Ruiz's, but also the Cade Cavalli's, the Jackson Rutledge's, Cole Henry's, if those guys don't pan out, you're in the exact same position you were in 2020 and 2021, where you've got a bunch of veterans on expensive contracts with no depth underneath them from your farm system. So you need to make sure you know what you have before you really go handing out these colossal contracts. Yeah, and and we can tell. I mean, I think... As soon as we saw the LCDs thing coming back, right, and you see Hernandez, like they're they're not in the. I think they are pretty. They're not set with the people they have, right? But they're like, we've got a group. We've got to see what this group has. But also, I, I do think adding a guy or two that's saying, "Look, this guy's going to be here for a few years," it, it would be helpful, right? Because they do have to show once in a little bit. And also, it's really hard to put all the pieces together in like a year, right? You can't just, you know, the Mets. I've added three or four this offseason, but it's not like the Mets don't have anything else there already, right? They're pairing DeGrom with Max Scherzer, right? They've already got that there. You know, they're pairing up some of these guys. You know, the, Marte is going to go into what was a pretty crowded outfield last year. You know, you're going to bring in Escobar to what was a crowded part of the infield last year as well. You know, that's, it's not like they're bringing these guys in. You know, those guys that can move all over the place because they got a bunch of guys like that. That, that to me is, you know, that's how you do it. You can make a few moves in a year, but you can't make, do it all at once. And that's why you do have to make a couple of signings. And let's talk about that from a pitching perspective. They've got to do something. They have absolutely got to do something about the starting because I, can you operate under the, under the assumption that Steven Strasburg is going to be healthy next year, like to start off the season? Because I mean, like you talked about, he's one of those guys that can't necessarily get the team treatment right now, and he needs it. They need to be up to date with how he's feeling every single day. Like that should be every single day. They need to know how he's feeling. I mean, how are we feeling about that coming in twenty twenty two? You know, uh, the last we've heard was that he was on track to be ready for spring training, and you know, we're not going to be hearing anything until this lockout is is done. So that's kind of the status quo. Uh, but you know, I think it whether or not you can count on him for spring training is one thing, whether you can count on him for a full season of starts is a, is a completely different thing. You know, you don't, you don't get through a season with five starting pitchers. You get through a season right. with eight, 10, 12, 15 as we saw starting. last season, right? Exactly. Yes. Uh, you know, especially for a team that's going to be trying out guys for a, a good portion of the year. So I, I really think that the nationals, honestly, I was saying the same thing last off season. 
Uh, I really think that the Nationals need to find somebody who's going to post, somebody who's going to be out there every five days and give you five yes. to six innings. Yes. Doesn't matter if they're you know super quality innings. And a guy that really stands out to me right now in free agency is Zach Davies. Uh, mm. Davies finished up last year on the Cubs uh, over the last, I believe, four seasons, uh, five seasons since 2016. He has only missed extended time once uh, over that entire span, making at least 28 starts. Uh, four of those times. So, you know, he's been a guy that has gone out there, you know, he, he's coming off a year with a five plus ERA, uh, but he had a four, has a four, one, four career RA. His, his not going to strike out a ton of guys, but most of his peripherals are still pretty good. Uh, gave up a few extra homers and he usually does. And he just kind of got batted around a little bit uh, with a few more walks sprinkled in there. So uh, I think Davies is, is kind of the type of player uh, that the, the Nationals should be looking for to kind of anchor the rotation because you're not in a position to spend a lot of money on that rotation simply because of the Corbin and Strasburg deals. You know, you, you can look next offseason when you're one year deeper into each of those contracts and then kind of rationalize with yourself, okay, now we can kind of go in on pitching, which by that point, you'll know what you have in Josiah Gray. Hopefully Kate Cavalli has reached the majors, maybe Cole Henry as well. Seth Romero is a guy I think that is going to get a chance. Yeah, this so year. he needs to be up next year, right? Like I, I think he's got to be, I mean, I know he's, he's got starting pedigree, but like I was going to ask you, he's got to be at least in the pen. He's a lefty. The Nationals he's- are trying to keep him as a, uh, as a starter. Uh, so, you know, we're, I think he's going to be competing for a rotation spot in spring training. Uh, and if he doesn't win it, then I think we start to see, you know, right. either he's first guy up in the minor leagues or he gets switched to a bullpen role. Yeah, I, I think I think the problem is they need somebody to close out games, right? I mean, they Harris injury. Kyle Finnegan, good. He should be a seventh, seventh, eighth guy. Mason Thompson's too young to I think toss him there because we love. I mean, I love what he's doing right now. Love, I, I love what I'm seeing from him. But that's not, you know, you don't want to elevate him to that spot. Kyle Finnegan was closing games last year because he had to. They've got to find a way to find somebody in that ninth inning. Uh, and I think then they can start working the other way. But, um, yeah, so Zach Davies, and give me one more before we get, before we get you out of here. One more target you, you like for the Nationals. Uh, well, we'll go bullpen. Uh, and a closer that I think that kind of fits the bill of what the Nationals are looking for is Alex Colomay. Uh, Colomay, another guy not coming off of a seller season. And, you know, I think Nationals fans are going to get some Brad Hand, uh, you know, flashbacks here. But uh, he had declining velo. Uh, on his fastball, and I think a lot of people are going to be out on him, so he's not going to get any opportunities to close. Uh, but the, the good thing about Colome is that he throws the cutter 70% of the time, and the swing and miss stuff was still there. He was in the 89th percentile in terms of swing and miss last year, uh, according to StatCast. That's that's pretty good, and I think that's something that the Nationals, you know, he's a guy who has had 40-plus saves in a season before. He's got that that ninth inning uh, pedigree. He's been in the playoffs before, uh, and he can kind of be that that veteran guy at the back end to really stabilize things for a lot of these young guys as the Nationals figure out, you know, what they're capable of and what roles they can slot them in. And we all know relief pitching is, is a change of scenery business. Is it not? I mean, that is, Very that, true. that's, that, that's can be what it is. Would you be shocked if Brad, well, I would be shocked if Brad had a good year next year, but you know, the Paul Seawalds of the world are, they're out there. Um, exactly. All right, Matt, what are you working on right now? Where can people find you and your work and all of its variety? Yeah, I'm over at NBC sports, uh, where I'm writing about the Nationals and, Basically everything else, DC sports uh, with the lockout going on. There's not a whole lot of baseball to be following right now, but uh, you know a lot of fantasy football. Content. WFT is red hot though. The WFT, WFT is red. I uh, I'm making weekly picks now for every NFL game, and I have Washington beating uh, the Cowboys, especially after uh, we saw Mike McCarthy McCarthy's guarantee comments, a win. Yeah. It's automatically going Washington's way now. So uh, you can check all of that out over there or on my Twitter account at by Matt Wyrick. Matt Wyrick, NBC Sports Washington. Appreciate your time. Yes, thank you, Josh.